We're starting a new series today, and it's called Workmanship. And the idea behind this whole series is that we are created by God. We are His workmanship. And we're going to talk about uh, basically why do we even exist, which I think is one of the most important questions that we have. And a lot of people are right now in the middle of this battle of what are we, what are we talking about here? There's a lot of confusion uh, in the world right now. And basically, it seems like the lines are getting blurred on a daily basis. And uh, if you can look at society and even uh, the way we think about things, it's like a balloon. You know what I mean? Uh, if you see the balloons up in the sky, and you're like, oh, that poor kid lost his balloon. That wind is just being blown about all the time. And it's whatever the strongest wind is, that's the direction the balloon goes. And that's the way society is right now. It's like this untethered, inflatable balloon that's just going around, floating around. And whatever is the, the, the loudest and the strongest ideology, that's where society goes. So for the last number of years, we've had sort of Christianity was the strongest, you know what I mean? In America, at least it was kind of the strongest or the dominant ideology across the nation. And so the, the, the balloon kind of stayed in place because it was tethered to something, which was the Bible, right? Well, now we've sort of untethered the Bible from America and from society. And now we're this b- a balloon floating adrift in the sky, in the air. And whatever the dominant ideology, whatever the dominant thought is right now, that is where the direction of society is going. And so we have this big battle and our largest battle on earth right now is the battle against false ideologies. Okay. You with me so far? Our, our battle is not against people. Okay. It's not against conservatives or liberals. It's not against Democrats or Republicans or races or genders or socioeconomic statuses. It is against ideology. And you say, well, what is an ideology? It's something that we have to do with our mind. Our battle, one of our greatest battles of all time is going to be in our battle for our mind. Okay. What is going on? What are the thoughts in there? Paul says it like this. He says to the Corinthians, he says, look, take every thought into captivity, into the obedience of Christ, because he knows that there's a battle out there. And we're going to use the word ideology because it's a strong word. And I want to, let me give you this, this definition of it. It is simply a collection of doctrines or beliefs shared by people. Okay. Further on, it's a comprehensive vision that is followed by governments, people groups, or the majority population. It's literally the science of ideas. And so what happens is you have somebody who comes along with an ideology and they say, this is what it is. These are the doctrines. These are the beliefs. And we want to get everybody on the same page. Okay, a comprehensive vision put together by governments, by people groups, by whatever it could be corporations, whatever it is. But they're putting together these ideologies and they're saying, this is what we should be doing as a population. Are you with me? Now, that doesn't sound terribly bad. However, have you ever had a bad idea? Yeah, we probably had a few, right? You think, man, you're angry at something, and so you kick it, and it turns out to be a rock. You know what I mean? And then you like you stub your toe or break your toe or whatever. That's a bad idea, right? Some other bad ideas are driving on the opposite side of the road, pretending you're British in America. That's a bad idea, right? Taking a long walk off a short pier, also a bad idea, right? Okay, you with me? Let me hear it. Yeah, okay, okay, good. Okay. So we have these things where we have good ideas and we have bad ideas. Okay, sometimes a good idea in the immediacy can seem like that, but it really can be a bad idea. 
You follow me? Like, oh, this is a good idea. I'm going to have McDonald's every single day for every single meal. I'm going to supersize it, and I'm going to do that for the rest of my life, right? Good idea because you're hungry, you're starving, and the French fries are delicious and golden and salty, right? So you think, yeah, this is a great idea. 30 days from now, bad idea, right? So we have these ideas that even look like a good idea, but they're actually a bad idea. We humans, you and I, we don't have the luxury of being able to see the future, right? We can make projections, we can make, you know, hypotheses and all those kind of things, but we cannot know 100% what is happening ahead of us, right? Let's pray real quick. Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Jesus, that is going to go down as seed into our hearts, into the good soil. Lord, city of God is good soil. Thank you for those listening and watching on the internet live right now. Jesus, I pray that the word would be just as strong in their hearts as it is here in this place this morning. God, we thank you that it goes down into good soil. Lord, we hear the word, we receive the word, and we do the word, and we produce a harvest of 30, 60, and 100-fold. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. So we know that because we don't know everything, there is got to be somebody or something that does know everything, right? right? Anybody know what that thing would be? The farmer's almanac. That's right. No, that's not right. The Bible, right? God knows everything. He is literally above time and can see all of time as if it were this table. Okay, here's the past, here's the present, here's the future. He can see everything all at once in time, and so he knows what's going to happen. He knows what we're going to choose, what we're going to not choose. He knows what we're going to do, what we're not going to do. He knows the end of mankind's history and sort of the beginning of eternity, and he knows the past as well as the present. God knows everything. When we remove God and his word from our lives, we become like that untethered balloon floating and whatever opinion, whatever wind of doctrine, whatever ideology is strongest in our life, that's where we get blown about. I'm saying all of this to say that apart from the word of God, we will never truly understand humanity. We'll never truly understand purpose. We'll never understand existence. We'll never understand love. We'll never understand any of these things unless we're grounded and rooted in the word of God. The Bible is an ideology, so to speak, in that it swallows up all the other ideologies. It's the longest lasting. It's the greatest. It's the most accurate source of revelation for all mankind, for all eternity. The further we get from God and his word, the more deeply confused we become. Since the dawn of time, humanity has been searching for origin, for purpose. I can remember a time ago I was talking to a guy who was an atheist, and I was, he, he, I was asking him, you know, what do you think the purpose of life is? He says, why does there have to be a purpose? I said, well, it kind of puts things in order, that's for sure. He's like, why can't purpose just be sunsets and tacos? I said, what if you have a bad taco? Does that mean your existence is now awful? He said, no. And that was kind of it. But the idea is here is that there's something more. Some say all we need is love according to their definition of love, right? That's what the Beatles said. All you need is love. You heard of the Beatles? Okay, good. Just making sure. You know what I mean? Set. Here's the thing, though. Is we're not interested in the temporary opinions of corrupted individuals, as in us. 
We're interested in someone who knows the truth. We want the truth from the originator of truth. We want truth from truth itself. And that's why we're talking about this here and now. And we're going to be going to God asking him, why is all these things happening? Who are we? What are we? Why are we? When are we? How are we? All these different things. And so we've got to understand if we're going to talk about the workmanship and the purpose of mankind, we've got to know how were we created? Why were we created? We've got to understand the very foundation because without this foundation, what happens is things get flip-flopped over time. So I want to look at some theories as to how man came about. Okay. The first one is this atheistic evolution. Okay. This is the most imposed ideology on earth today. It goes into every facet and every aspect of life. If you're following me, this, this is kind of the basic one here. There is no God. Man is a product of time and chance alone. We are the result of billions of years of evolution as a result of a big bang that initiated life from nothing. Everything on earth comes back to this in terms of humanistic, man-centered thinking. We think there was nothing, and now there is something. And so therefore, because we came from nothing, man has no purpose, and the purpose of his existence can therefore be tacos, sunsets. It can be money. It can be fame. It can be fortune. It can be me as the God of my, I make my own future. I make my own rules. Life is whatever I make it. When we remove God out of it, then I then become God. Okay. That's sort of the biblical idea against this ideology. Now, let me just show you some scientific things about that. That's wrong with this theory of atheistic evolution. Operational and experimental science has never demonstrated life randomly evolving from non-living elements. In fact, if something like that were to happen, it would actually violate other scientific and other, other fundamental observable laws of biology, which is this one. Life comes from life, not from non-life. So even in its own theory, it doesn't even hold up against itself. If you say everything came from nothing, then you cannot truly say that life comes from life, right? Why are babies not being born in the room right now? Oh, well, you don't understand science. No, I understand science because God told it and God created it. No, babies just don't appear. I know how babies come. They don't come from storks. They didn't come from the Big Bang. They come from man and woman. We all know that that's biology, right? But they would say, no, life comes from non-life. It doesn't. We never see that in observable scientific nature. And so what is being presented to us as scientific fact, quote unquote, is actually ideology, somebody else's doctrines, somebody else's beliefs, somebody else's faith in something else, which is really faith in themselves, which will crumble as they fail. Are you with me? Okay, this is we have to understand this because this is what we are facing in the world today. People will come at life from a non-existent life perspective. They'll come from atheistic evolution. I believe that there was a big bang. Great. Well, how did the big bang get there? I remember talking to a friend in college and we were sitting down and he was, he was just, well, I was like, well, how did the big bang happen? He's like, well, I don't know. Uh, what, what about, you know, what if there were like things colliding, you know, stars were going around just floating in space. I said, okay, time out. I said, first of all, you don't know that happened, right? He said, no, I don't. I said, but will you give it to me? I said, fine. For the sake of argument, I'll give you the fact that let's just say there were stars out there just 
ping-ponging around in the galaxy. I'll give it to you. Now explain your theory of life from there. And then these two stars hit and they exploded and that, that created the universe. I said, okay, then what happened? Then like there was, you know, this goo and that's when life came from the goo, right? The, the science calls it primordial soup as that there was this goo and all of a sudden a single celled organism was, was uh, created from that. And then from there it evolved to lizards and snakes and apes and then, hey, hooray us. So we came from soup. Delicious. I would like to op up, open up. This is a great announcement. I'm opening up. This is called the Evolutionary Cafe. We serve primordial soup and goo for lunch. So if you want to get some, just remember, though, at any given time, something could evolve from that soup. Okay? And we, we're all kind of laughing because it, it sounds ludicrous when you explain it, right? But that's where we always say this at City of God. You're going to believe in someone. You're going to have faith in something. You're going, to, you're going to listen to something, someone's doctrines. You're going to be discipled by somebody. You're going to be worshiping someone, right? It just depends on who it is. And when you get those in the right order, then life will have a true meaning and a true purpose and a true existence, right? Evolutionary science to this very day cannot answer the ultimate mystery of how primordial soup sparked life into existence. You can go ahead, get a Petri dish, put DNA, put RNA, put every other life-giving protein in a dish, and then just see if they randomly assemble themselves like the Avengers. Right? <laughs> Avengers assemble, RNA, DNA, life-giving proteins, go now! <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, okay, RNA versus you know Civil War, RNA versus DNA. No, that, that's not going to happen. There's no way it's going to happen because it doesn't happen. Because it goes against rule number one, life comes from life, okay? The Big Bang itself is not an origin story, okay? We all know where Wolverine came from, right? He's always lived forever with those bony claws that came out of his hands, okay? We all know where Luke came from, the planet of Tatooine, right? We all know the origin stories of these things. But the Big Bang is not an origin story, right? It's the Big Bang and then everything after. So then we got to go, well, how did the Big Bang happen, uh, well, uh, according to uh, what we think, because remember, nobody was there 30, 40, 55. You can put whatever number X billion years ago. Nobody was there at the beginning, right? Right? There was Because no, we were evolving. We, we were, I mean, single-celled organisms weren't even there at the beginning, right? So they couldn't even write it down. However, we have a God who has always been from the beginning. So when he says, this is how it happened, my faith is a lot more in a God who created the earth than primordial soup that created the earth. I trust in the soup. In soup we trust, right? It's on every dollar bill in America. No, it's in God we trust because he was actually there. That's good. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, it's in the Bible right there. So another theory is we've got atheistic evolution. Now we've got theistic evolution, okay? This is like naturalistic process. This says that God created, okay? We can't explain the Big Bang, but let's just say that there was a God who created the Big Bang. He went and clapped his hands together, kaboom, and that echoed throughout all of eternity, and then evolution has happened as a process. And this is where a lot of believers are because of the imposing of false ideology. They say, look, I know there's all this science out there. I know that every science book has been changed and revised to say evolution is the way. So I don't want to ruffle any feathers. I will just believe in evolution in that aspect. 
They'll just say, oh, okay, I don't want to argue. I don't know all the facts because we come to, sometimes we get a little ignorant in some of the facts of that stuff, but there's plenty of material on the interweb that will help you understand evolution versus creation, FYI. But we get in this place where we say, okay, uh, you know what? You're right. Okay, I, I, I don't know how, or I don't know if it was six days or seven days. I don't know if they were literal days or if every day was a year and a thousand years, so it's 6,000. I don't really know, so I'm just going to go with whatever you say because you seem to know it all because you read all the sound bites off of, you know, so-and-so's website. We have to know this stuff if we're really going to talk to people about why life exists and how we can improve in life and how we can become more like Jesus. Amen? Amen. 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 So we see that there's this bit of a compromise. They'll say God initiated the Bing Bang. They agree with the age of the earth being billions of years. They'll agree with the evolutionary process. But the main reason that they go along with this is pressure from, quote-unquote, science to renounce the Bible. I'll go back to just this one thought here. The New Testament has over 20,000 manuscripts that correspond with each other. The closest other ancient book has less than 4,000. That's the Quran. So 4,000 manuscripts, 20,000 manuscripts. You say, what's a manuscript got to do with anything? Because it's proving that this is all true, that these, these one thought is together with itself. The Bible is written over a period of 1,600 years, 66 different books, 40 different authors, and yet there are no contradictions in the Bible. You cannot get three scientists of the same persuasion to agree on one simple thing like that, let alone over a period of 1,600 years when it was collaborated and written in over 6,000 years of history. You cannot get humans to do that anywhere. There must be someone or something who is divine and overseeing the whole process. That's God, right? So we've got this idea of theistic evolution. Now you say, what's wrong with this? The previous theory just totally outright denies God, denies his existence, while this theory doesn't deny God directly. And this is where the kind of the rubber meets the road is it says this. We say God started it, but then evolution took over from there. This is a confused way of denying God. Why is that? Because basically you're saying when you say evolution took over for God, you're denying what God said about his creation. You cannot be a believer and believe in macro evolution. Now, there's adaptation among the species, okay? Dogs and animals have changed over time. They've gotten better. We've got a dog who has sort of evolved, you know what I mean? It runs around like a nut job and barks at me every time, so I would say it's still on the lower part of the chain. But you get the point. There's evolution among species, but to jump from ape to man, no proof, right? And so we've got this idea here that, when you say, I believe that God started it and then the rest was evolution, you're denying what God said about himself. Because from the beginning, Paige read it all last week, chapter 1. Go back and listen to last week's message. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Literally in Genesis, in Hebrews, in the beginning literally translates to in beginnings. Why? Because the beginning as we know it is a beginning of our time, but God has always existed from beginnings. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end as we know it, but He's always existed. So we don't know what there was before. We just know that God has always been. Amen? Which then leads us down to theistic creation. The universe, humanity, all living things, and all the galaxies have been created by God just as it has been explained in Genesis 1. 
Let me read this verse to you out of Colossians 1, 16 and 17. It says, For through Him, which is Jesus, the Word, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. So immediately we see who created everything. God, okay. He made the things we can see. So you can see me, I can see you. These are things we can see, right? And the things we cannot see, right? So he created things we see, things we don't see. Well, the Bible doesn't say anything about atoms and protons and new, because they're things that he can't see. God just created him. He just said, man, you can give whatever word you want. When God created the elephant, he gave man, Adam, over to say, you name him however you want. You can go ahead and name this creation as a steward of it. You can name it whatever you want to. So why doesn't the Bible say protons and nuclei and all that? Because God said, man, you can go ahead and name it whatever you want to. He says, I'm going to create the things you can see and the things you can't see. You go ahead and name them if you can find them. You with me? Then he also says, the things you see, such as, these are the things we can't see necessarily, thrones, okay, kingdoms, rulers, authorities in the unseen world. So now we see that God's created everything in the heavens, in the galaxies, in the sky, everything on earth. He's created things we can see. He's also created things we cannot see. But then he's also created things in the unseen or the spiritual realm as well. So not only do we have a natural, physical realm, we also have a, th- a realm where, where things are too small, we can't see them, but he's also created everything in the spiritual realm as well. God has created everything. Say everything. Everything, everything was created through him and for him. That's pretty obvious right there, right? I mean, just kind of, this is why it's fun to read the Bible, because God says it like it is. He doesn't, he's, there's not a whole lot of entendres in there, not a hidden meanings. There are some, some, some things you got to discern, but there are some times where he just flat out tells it is. Everything was created through him and for him. So we were created through God and we're created what? For what? For God. Okay. He existed before anything else. Okay. So we already said that. We established that in the beginning. Okay. And. He holds all creation together. This immediately denounces a couple things. Number one, it denounces atheistic evolution, right? Because he existed before anything else. And then also denounces theistic evolution because he holds all creation together. For somebody to say and say that the American founders were deists and they only believe that there was a God. and No, that's revisionist history. They believe that God is constantly and actively involved with his creation from the animals to the plants to the people. People, he holds all creation together. That means he's actively involved with it all. I think that's pretty clear. God created everything, the galaxies and everything in them. He created earth and everything in it. He created the unseen from the atoms we cannot see to the spiritual realm we can't see. He created the scene, the physical world. He, uh, everything that God created was through himself and for himself. He's existed before anything and everything, and he continues to hold all creation together. And you may be asking yourself at this point, why are we talking about all of this? I thought we were talking about humanity. We are. This is the foundation so that we can build up from here. Okay, ready for this? Here's the beginning question, and we're going to take two weeks to answer this question. What is man? Okay, here's point number one, and we're actually going to begin and end on this today. Man, humanity, is a created 
being. You might want to write that down, just in case you forget. You may walk out of here and forget. Uh, now, what was I again? Oh, created being. That's right. I wrote it down. Thank God I wrote it down. Genesis one twenty six says this. And God said, let us make man in our image. Genesis 2, 7. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life in the man's nostrils, and man became a living person. Genesis 5, 1 and 2. When God created human beings, okay, so it's stating right there, from the beginning, when God created human beings, he made them to be like himself. Notice it doesn't say like the devil or like the elephants or like the apes. He didn't say, I've created a planet of apes separately from humans, and they will eventually take over humans by one named Cornelius or whatever. He, did. he made them to be like himself. He created them. Okay, this is important now because of Facebook. Thank God for Facebook as we're streaming live. He created them male and female. Right? Two options. Male and or. Not and or, right? Male and female, or male or female, right? Male and female. And he blessed them, and he called them human. So we see that man is a created being. We have been created by God and for God. If we are merely the product of time and chance, then we are an accident. There are few accidents on earth that would be considered good, right? I accidentally went to the bathroom in my pants. Not a good thing. I accidentally ran into the person in front of me. I accidentally ran into the person next to me. I accidentally spilled soda all down my shirt, my white clean shirt. I accidentally spilled, you know, uh, spaghetti sauce on my wedding dress. I, there are no accidents that no one says, man, thank God for that accident, right? You ne- if anybody has, let me know and I'll, I'll, you know, revise my notes. But there's really no accident in life. That is a good accident. I accidentally burped when I was on stage in front of 10 million people. It was, it was an accident. I didn't mean to, you know what I mean? So we understand that man's life is not an accident. If there's no purposeful origin, then there's no higher value or meaning to life. Man's life has whatever meaning man then gives it, which brings us back down to sunset and tacos. Right? What if it was cloudy that day and you didn't see the sunset? Does that mean you cease to exist? What if, what if, man, sunsets are no good and someone convinces you that the sun really isn't setting, that it's just going around the earth? And you're like, but no, it's going behind something. No, it's just rotating around the world. But what if, what if there was no Instagram? Who wouldn't, would, would there even be sunsets anymore? These are deeper questions that we won't get into today, obviously, but you get the point. Okay. See, when when there's no purpose and we're just an accident, man's life has whatever meaning man gives to it. And so, therefore, if I give it, if the meaning of my life is to murder people, now obviously that's an extreme one, right? But there are people who think like that. If my life is to, it's because whatever meaning you give it, we cannot do that. This is the ideology that we must contend with today. You are an accident. That can be aborted if desired. If you're given a chance to live, you are no greater than a monkey or a cow because you're simply an evolved beast that sits atop the pyramid. Yet even that theory by Darwin, one of the originators of evolution, right, is under attack. We presently view the life of animals as higher than humans. 
We have laws that say it is, quote-unquote, legal to murder babies, but it is illegal to destroy the womb of an owl, spotted owl. You cannot destroy the womb where they're created and they're birthed, and that you cannot destroy the spotted owls. But absolutely, babies, for sure, they're total inconvenience. This is how confused we are in, in the world today. This is the confusion. When we remove creation out of the understanding of humanity, we get befuddlement. We don't even know what's going on. We're so caught up in this fog of life that we will abort children and save owls. Now, just time out just for one second, because we believe at City of God in sustainability. Okay? We believe that God has given us to be stewards over creation. Okay? Man in his sin nature wants to destroy nature for a profit. Okay? We'll suck the oil out of it. We'll tear down the trees. We'll destroy. Well, mankind will destroy his own career. Well, the thing that was created for him, he will do it for money because man's life has no meaning. But as true believers, we should understand that God's creation has been given to us by God, and we are to steward it not just for the now, but for the future. Right? So we're not, I'm not saying go out there and cut down trees and shoot spotted owls and step on lizards and all that kind of, I, what I'm saying is you have to understand that there is no higher life on earth greater than man. We are God's masterpiece. That's what he said in his verse here. When we get down to Colossians 2.10, it says this, For we are God's masterpiece. Say, I'm a masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us. Ready for this? Long ago. Which means that before there was ever even a creation, before there was ever even an earth, God had already planned out your life and my life. That's how you know you're a masterpiece. Is that God planned it. And that he waited. And remember, when God created all the creeping things and all the birds of the air and all the fish of the sea and all the animals on this earth, he waited until he was done with all of them. And then from the earth, he formed man into his image. He didn't say that about the birds. He didn't say that about the Indominus Rex from Jurassic World, right? Some of you are like, what's Jurassic World? It's a fake movie. Don't worry about it. Okay? He didn't form us after elephants or oxes or sacred cows or unsacred cows. He didn't do any of that. He created all of these animals on earth, all the bugs and all the things that we like and don't like. He created all those animals and those species. And then he said, now, roll up his sleeves. Let me get down to business. Let me create man in my image. He created nothing else on earth in his image except us. We are created by God in his image. We are not an accident. We are the result of a purposeful God who has thought more about you and I than anybody on earth. David has a revelation of this in the Psalms. He says, Lord, you know the hairs on my head. Now, for some people, as you get older, that's easy to count them, right? But when you're young and full of strength, that's a lot of hair, right? Look at Tim's beard. I mean, how long would it take one of us to count the hairs on his chinny chin chin, right? A long time. Yet God already knows all that. Not only does he know everything about us, he knows the way we were designed. He created us what he created us for. We are his masterpiece. When we understand that we're God's masterpiece and not an accident by colliding non-existent stars, our perspective about our existence comes into greater clarity. 
when we understand that we are created through Him and for Him, we now understand our purpose in life is to give everything back to Him. Amen? We are His masterpiece. Let's just stand as we, as we close in prayer today. And... Uh,